Yep. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today we are going to be interrupting the series that we're working on about the lies we believe in culture. And uh, we have a special guest, and uh, that is Debbie, my wife. So we've been talking to her for a while about being on the show, and and uh, so she's here. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Thanks, hon. I love being here with you all. <laughs> well, we also know that uh, while we call it the Men of Valor program, there's a lot of the wives that are listening, and a lot of our couples are listening together as couples. So uh, this will be good uh, today that we're going to talk about some kind of basic things uh, that a wife needs in the early days of uh, the recovery journey. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we should start by just saying, you know, we're real believers here that we can be most helpful to this whole process when we have both a husband and a wife involved. And so for many people, there may not be that belief that someone has an addiction problem, the job is for that person to get well, and then everything will be fine in the relationship. But we definitely experience that when we have both people involved in the process, there is so much growth Mm -hmm. and um, transformation, not only for each of them individually, but for them as a couple. Right. So, you know, not only from my own journey, but working with so many, many women, I've come to know there are some specific things that are really helpful to getting her in the Mm -hmm. journey herself. So those are the things I would like to talk about today. Well, good, because we're, as we say in the South, uh, fixing to do that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) By the way, Randy, our co-host, is here. I am uh, I'm quietly sitting in the corner minding my own business, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I was marveling that you know we're, we are thrilled to have Debbie with us again today and uh, in dealing with her people to make this uh, show happen today. Uh, there's just been ongoing negotiations, and, uh, yeah. and I'm just thrilled that we were able to pull it off. We had to talk to Debbie's agent yes. <laughs> to make sure that it was okay. Exactly. Yeah, right. I'm hard <laughs> so, to get. Huh? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah the, the good ones all are. So yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you with us today, Deb. Thanks. Yeah, and Aaron is here too, and he is engaged, so he needs to be listening to some of this stuff uh, preventively, I think. <laughs> Always. Always, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a, a list of things that a woman uh, needs on her journey, so why don't we just jump into that? Uh, and uh, uh, the first one you list is... Uh, to be heard about her pain and loss. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you want to start sure. in there? Well, that maybe sounds like kind of a no-brainer, but the truth <clears throat> is I think there are a lot of folks that really don't know how to listen well when someone brings a crisis in their life. And, and particularly I find with Christian women who sometimes seek out Christian friends or pastors mm-hmm. on the front mm-hmm. end who may quickly get into trying to convince her just to um, forgive and move on, that we're asked as Christian women to do that. And right. I think while there is good advice in knowing that that's going to be a part of the journey, the timing of that becomes very important. Right. And I know it's most important for a woman, first of all, to be able to talk about her story and and to get help for the pain and the legitimate losses in her life before she begins to think about some of these spiritual requests that we all have to forgive and forget the past. So um, if you're one of those people who um, are listening to someone's story for the first time, I just really want to encourage you to slow down any advice to her and to -hmm. allow her just to be sad and be mad and to encourage her to get the ongoing help I'm going to talk about here that will help her work through a healing journey. Yeah, you've you've heard some uh, horror stories, really, I think, about... uh, 
advice or kind of this black and white, sometimes Christian feedback that some of the wives have received, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, to be fair, might be, you know, well-intentioned at some level, Mm -hmm. but... uh, I would also say that it's not always just um, Christian feedback for women. I've also um, heard through my research lately, as well as the many women that I listen to in terms of their stories in our one-on-one counseling sessions, that um, some of the most unhelpful advice up front was, first and foremost, is to forgive, that that's her job to do that immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, to try to forget the past. It isn't that big of a deal. She'll get over it. And... Um, to think mm-hmm. about what's good in terms of moving forward. So it's kind of a mm-hmm. Pollyannish kind of response. Um, another one is to simply tell her to be something better than what she is because if she could do that, then her husband probably wouldn't have had the need to do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So right. a lot of times that sounds like, you know, go home and be more sexual, mm-hmm. be more something, be more submissive, be be something more than you are because you're the problem. Yeah. Um, and I think I still hear in many situations women who are being advised to divorce and leave. Right. Um, and that could be from secular counselors as well as from Christian leaders. Uh, again, I, I never consider it my my job to advise a woman on any kind of direction she might choose to take, but I would certainly want to slow down any kind of reaction that comes from being in an, an incredible amount of pain right. so as to know that when it is time to make a decision, mm-hmm. it will be the one that is the right fit for her, yeah. and she won't live with a lot of resentment. So. Right. Well, I think what you just said is really important that uh, in the middle of the early pain and uh, sense of uh, loss, <clears throat> that's not the best time to make any, you know, critical decisions here. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so uh, I think what you're saying is that there needs to be a safe community of uh, women around her who are good listeners and not advice givers. Mm-hmm. Would that be that true? would be true. And when you think mm-hmm. about that, that's probably even people other than close sisters, moms, yeah. best mm-hmm. friends. Right. Because those people, while they can, you know, be supportive maybe in the first few hours or week or whatever of something difficult, um, they're going to be so invested in your own happiness and well-being that oftentimes they do flip into the advice-giving place of uh, wanting you to leave or move away or get out or throw them out or whatever it is so as to create more, you know, instant happiness and contentment for their loved one. And that makes a lot of sense. Uh, But that does lead me to a second point in terms of helping wives is that for that very reason, I think it's extremely important to look for a professional for herself, Mm -hmm. Um, ideally a counselor, a professional person in the field who's worked with uh, sexual infidelity, sexual Mm -hmm. purity issues, addiction, whatever we end up calling this in their their case, Um, because that person can hopefully be um, in a place where while they do care about a woman and have some experience with what's going to be helpful, they're not so invested that they're just wanting them Mm -hmm. to get out of this hurtful place immediately and make quick decisions about that. So a one-on-one counselor is always my recommendation and Mm -hmm. one that's her own. I um, often see women who begin this journey just simply in couples counseling Mm -hmm. or going to the same therapist that their husband goes to, and that would not be my suggestion. I think she needs Mm -hmm. a place of her very own where she can talk about whatever she needs to talk about and be heard there 
um, without mm-hmm. it necessarily being connected to her husband's story and his support. Yeah, I think we've also seen situations where uh, a pastor has tried to do the counseling. And <clears throat> there may be pastors out there who are well qualified to do that, but I think even even if they are, your point is that uh, the wife needs her own person. The, the pastor or the counselor needs... Uh, not to be seen necessarily both of them. Uh, that would be my recommendation. You're right. And, yeah. you know, it's never a one-size-fits-all. Right. So uh, yeah. that's where we all need to learn to trust our own choices and decisions and right. to particularly pay attention to if you do begin with someone and at some point it doesn't feel like the right fit or you're not feeling heard about something or you're questioning why mm-hmm. maybe some advice is being given out too quickly. Um that you begin to trust that and know it just may not be the right fit and to continue to look for someone else. Right. I, I think um, that's one of the hard things when, when we're a person who's struggling with our, our own problem and we go to a professional of some kind, we can tend to put all of our trust in that person that you know everything they do mm-hmm. or say is the right thing. And mm-hmm. you know I just know that that's not the case. I know for myself I don't always have the right thing to say to people. And what I want more than anything is for them to begin to trust that, you know, God is within, the Holy Spirit is there. And when they get good at listening to that place, they will know when it's time to either move on to a different relationship or take what fits in terms of what's being said and to know that they don't have to blindly really trust anyone in this process. And mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's the beginning of personal growth for a woman. Right. To trust herself, and uh, that's right. Well, let's uh, you know move on because you've got. I know uh, I have number. a lot of a lot you of needs here have, for you a have, wife. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> and uh, right. our show is not uh, as long sometimes as we'd like it to be. But welcome to the three-hour version <laughs> of the Men of Valor program. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, another really important, <clears throat> I, I think, resource for a woman who is going to find healing in this journey is a community of other Mm -hmm. safe women, ideally women who are working through a similar journey. Mm -hmm. And again, this is going to be more than a group of good friends or perhaps, you know, women you've been in Bible study with who no one's really talked about issues like this. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about women who have been through some of the same thing, Um, ideally a group where there are women who are further along than all in the same place of crisis because, um, while it becomes important to have people that understand and can help you in this place and share their wisdom, strength, and hope from their own journey, if you're all at stage one of crisis in the mm-hmm. first month of you know, discovery of new information, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for you to be helpful to one another. Um, but there are some great therapy groups out there. I know we lead them here at Faithful and True, which is, I think, one of the greatest strengths we have here. There are great support groups in terms of 12-step groups. Uh, There are many new Christian groups that I know for women. Life Ministries, for instance. Mm -hmm. Life Ministries International is a a group we uh, definitely advocate for in terms of places where women can go to find community Mm -hmm. for themselves. Um, Again, I've worked with many, many women over the years, and what I clearly notice is um, we, we can make progress in one-on-one counseling, and we can get a lot of help there. But for the women who find community, I consistently see that that progress is much faster, mm-hmm. and healing is much deeper, and the transformation in lives is much better. 
So I'm I'm a huge advocate yeah. of finding that community wherever you can. And it might mean by the way that you travel a distance to get there. Yeah. I think I'm I'm really proud of women that commit to coming to groups here with me that have mm-hmm. traveled some I think the woman that comes from the furthest is a 3-hour drive to come here. And mm-hmm. um I know that she has learned how to make use of that time. She's uh, she's a professional. She has her own career, so she has to sometime, somehow make that work in her life. But all those commitments lead mm-hmm. to, I think, also her deeper desire to grow and to find healing for herself. And mm-hmm. so I know it can be done. You know, there, there are things to do, but sometimes we have to be willing to sacrifice right. other things in our life to make that happen. I would guess that her drive home mm-hmm. is probably also a very valuable mm-hmm. time processing everything that took mm-hmm. place at that meeting. Yep, you know? you're exactly right, Randy. And, yeah. um, you know, we talk about a lot of things there. A lot of stories are shared. We do a lot of therapeutic speaking and there are lots of things to process and when you think about it for the person who lives five minutes away and they jump out of a meeting and then they head home to young Mm -hmm. ones or their job or whatever and they don't have time to really process as much they probably don't get as much out of groups so there Mm -hmm. there are positive things when we take the next right step as i always say well mark and deb Mm -hmm. at this point let's take our short break right here and when we come back we'll share a trigger of the week and uh, move on to this great list that you're taking us through you're listening to dr mark laser and debbie laser on the men of valor program awesome all right you sound really good yeah Yeah, you sound fine um, can i get you a water are you am i sounding no I'm just, I just noticed that I hadn't gotten you a water for the first time in forever. Uh, maybe so. Okay, this will just take 20 seconds here. Well, Do let's we, see. How, we what, have just what, that amount of time to get through all the rest of it. Sure. We can pretty much go as long as we want. Can we? Yeah, yeah. who says it has to be 29 minutes? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're at about 13 when we stopped, 13 okay. and a half, so. Okay. Yeah, we're doing all right. So, if you're inspired to do all of them, that's fine. Okay. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Trigger of the week. Uh, Since we have Deb on the show today, we thought we would ask the question about. Uh, triggers for the wives, and uh, you had one that uh, you thought was one of the bigger ones, so uh, I'm going to let you talk about it. Well, one of the ones that I hear about a lot, especially early on in recovery, is the trigger of going out in public with your spouse when you know there's been Mm -hmm. unfaithfulness, and going out in public usually means, of course, there are women around, walking around, or there are stores that are selling women's apparel, and Mm -hmm. Um, I just noticed from women it's really hard because they seem to be over-focused on watching the eyes of their husband Mm -hmm. and where they're landing and how long they're watching. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of meanings that come out of that. Um, Usually Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not important, I'm not being chosen, and clearly Mm -hmm. the attention is on everyone else. Yeah, so it kind of makes going out in public very uncomfortable because there's kind of a hyper-vigilance there that's going Mm -hmm. on and... uh, I know the husbands talk about it, too, that it's, uh, you know, where are they supposed to look? Because, uh, you know, uh, they'd have to look completely down and sometimes run into walls and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But, right. uh, yeah, 
but that is a big one, and it's you know I think eventually the couples need to have some conversation about uh, meanings that are being mm-hmm. made out of it. So. Yeah, that would be our process eventually with couples is to be able to talk about what these triggers are and right. figure out some of the deeper meanings and, and you know, mm-hmm. figure out what are some of the needs for each of them when they try to approach public life together. And, it, you know, it's a much bigger issue than just you need to stop looking. Yeah, like you say, right. you, you do have to know where you're walking and, <laughs> and you do need to talk to people occasionally. So yeah, that is we true. can work on that. It's usually not easy on the beginning. Yeah, it's, a, beginning. it's, a, it's a challenge, but it certainly can be navigated. All right. Well, uh, we're going to return back now to uh, the list of things that a wife uh, needs on her journey. We've talked about several things so far. We're going to go on to, for those of you that are perfectionistic note takers, this is number four. Uh, (laughs) So uh, go ahead. Well, number four on my list is um, the need to get educated about sexual compulsivity, sexual addiction, um, it's such an important part to understand the why mm-hmm. of behaviors. And, of course, that's a big part of any of us that are doing clinical work is not just mm-hmm. to judge behaviors and stop them, but mm-hmm. uh, for us to figure out what root causes are there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I had the privilege of starting to get educated very quickly when I was invited to Family Week when you mm-hmm. went to mm-hmm. treatment for mm-hmm. that month. Right. And today I, I really realized what a gift that was because – in my own naive life, I really didn't know anything about addiction, mm-hmm. whether it was alcoholism or drug addiction or sex addiction or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't even have the capacity to understand why, why behaviors were being driven by other stuff. Mm-hmm. And having, having the beginnings of that taught to me at Family Week when I was there through the lectures that I listened to were, were really helpful in terms of helping me to depersonalize what you had done. Mm-hmm. And I say that to the women that I'm working with is ideally our healing journey is going to be about not personalizing mm-hmm. all of these things that are in fact very personal when all we do is hear about them. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard on the front end not to make behaviors that someone else has done about us that we're not enough, we haven't been enough, we're not mm-hmm. tall enough, pretty enough, sexy enough, whatever enough. Mm-hmm. And that is, in fact, probably what creates a lot of the pain on the front end is Mm -hmm. the way we talk to ourselves about who we believe we are because of what our husbands have done. Education is that piece that can hopefully help us build compassion and empathy along the way and also some new truths about Mm -hmm. how we're living life together. So. However one can acquire that, there's certainly a lot of books these days that can help educate. I think, again, that's why the counseling process with someone who's trained in this field is especially helpful. Mm -hmm. And, again, working in groups with other people who are also acquiring their own education. Well, the next one, uh, speaking of information, uh, is a big one. So uh, Mm -hmm. number five is a big one. Number five is a big one, and it's about living in truth. And one of the things that I think is hardest for a wife, frankly, is not only the behaviors that she maybe has learned about, but more importantly, that there's been lying and covering up and an inability to to know the truth about her spouse for however many years it's been in marriage. And when we don't live with truth, uh, what I know is it can tend to start leading us to feel crazy in Mm -hmm. our life. And for a wife who hasn't known the truth, not only about sexual acting out, 
But at that point, she may not know about whatever else has not been truthful in her life. Mm -hmm. And I know this was true for me. You start questioning everything. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know there hasn't been truth-telling, you don't even know if when you went on the vacation, you really wanted to go on the vacation or the mm -hmm. gift you bought was really, you know, a meaningful gift. Or, I mm -hmm. mean, everything becomes questionable. And that can be extremely painful, which is why I think this addiction more so than any others is one of the more difficult ones for a wife to move through. Yeah. So information about what these secrets have been over the years is incredibly important to, to lay a groundwork or, as we say, a foundation for beginning to heal. Right. And we do that through a process we call full disclosure. We have a very specific process here of helping lead a couple through offering information from the addict to a spouse so that she is not led to have to ask questions to find out what she needs to know. Mm -hmm. um, I find that a lot of times there are husbands who have led secret lives and who say, you know, you can ask me anything, and I think it's very heartfelt, and they really mm -hmm. mean it, that you can ask me anything you want, and, and I will be truthful with you. And while I love that... that um, way of approaching that and that openness, it still is not the most helpful way for a wife to live in truth. And so we lead a couple through a process of him offering information about his whole life from birth to the present. Right. Um, the whole history of sexual development through any associations that began to be made with some acting out behaviors to relationship growth to any kind of secrets and infidelity mm -hmm. that occurred throughout the lifetime, his lifetime, and certainly with her as well. Mm -hmm. um, full disclosure is usually the beginning of laying a foundation of truth-telling in the relationship. It can be a very difficult and hard time. It can, be, mm -hmm. it can feel very hurtful to her. But what my belief is that it's way more harmful to allow someone to live without the truth. Right. Um, living without the truth means you consistently don't are not able to match up your external reality with your internal reality. I think we all have hunches mm -hmm. and red flags and intuitive senses about things we see and smell and hear and so forth that if we're not being told the truth, they don't match up. And that's a very crazy-making place. So mm -hmm. I encourage men who are here getting help with you that one of the greatest gifts they can give to their spouse mm -hmm. is um, full disclosure by offering information. Yeah, and being uh, proactive about it. And uh, uh, we've talked about this before, but we do have uh, a document on our website that is about how to do full disclosure for uh, the process of it. And uh, counselors and therapists can look at that if they want to know how we, in fact, uh, lead a couple through mm -hmm. them. So right. we do feel pretty strongly that it's, it's good for that to be guided by people who know what they're doing because it could easily get out of control if, uh, if it's not. So, Okay, uh, that, is, that is huge and that is foundational. And uh, the next one is too, really. All of these are incredibly important. But mm -hmm. uh, The next one um, I talk about is a need for a wife to know that she didn't cause this addiction in her husband mm -hmm. and that she really can't um, cure it or control it. And I, I think for, for many women, they have been blamed by their husbands for why he's doing what he's doing. And mm -hmm. um, 
While I do know that no marriage is perfect and there are struggles about many things and there are things that all of us can continue to change to make a marriage better, Mm -hmm. I know that we um, are very adamant here about sorting out who's responsible for what if we're going to make progress. And it is true, I believe, that no one can be responsible for choices I make in terms of my own behaviors and how I'm managing my own pain or my Mm -hmm. own needs in my life. And the same would be true about you or anyone else. Mm -hmm. So um, we are asked to be responsible for ourselves. And it's true we all get in pain at times and we all don't have what we need at times. But how we respond to that becomes more indicative of our own character and how we're doing in terms of of being well ourselves and being whole. So um, anytime we're trying to blame another person because of something we've chosen to do, uh, that doesn't match our journey of faith, I think, is is not helpful. And unfortunately, many wives have been in that position where they've been blamed for many mm-hmm. years. And I think it's very important for them to hear from someone who has been uh, educated in this field uh, to mm-hmm. know that that is not the case, even though they may have heard that, that it is not the truth. Right. I know when I've sat with women who have lived with a lot of blame and I tell them this truth, they often weep because yeah. they have not heard the truth mm-hmm. really from any place in their life. And they've often lived for years and years of of the guilt and the shame of believing that they've been responsible for someone else's life choices. Yeah. Well, I think equally important in that uh, statement is that uh, uh, the last part, which is that they didn't cause it because the addiction, mm-hmm. and of course they're getting educated about addiction to know, that the addiction preceded their relationship uh, in all likelihood. Uh, but I think equally important is that, okay, you didn't cause it, and, you know, you, you can't cure it or you can't control mm-hmm. it. Uh, uh, some of the wives, I think, are, you know, interested in trying to be helpful uh, and being, you know, having helpful suggestions about what the addict needs to do. But uh, uh, that's part of this whole surrender really isn't it that they can't uh, control it yes and that that is an important part you bring up and i think control does come from a couple of different places one might be a desire to be helpful and another really big place though is a place of fear i I think we get into our controlling nature when we get afraid Mm -hmm. and uh, clearly i think while wives are angry and disappointed and sad and all those things from what has happened, they're also afraid that if there's not Mm -hmm. the kind of help that's needed to stop these behaviors or change them for the long term, that that could mean some very significant changes for them in terms of whether they can live with that or if they need to leave the relationship or whatever. So I think the fear drives any of us, too, to try to control. In fact, just last night um, in my group, one of the women who's there about a year into recovery and his sobriety Uh, began to get very worried because he was skipping a few of his counseling groups uh, with you, actually. And she said, I I think I need to be worried about that. And I've been telling him I don't like it and I need him to go and, you know, all Mm. this controlling stuff. And, of course, other women who are a little further down began to help her talk through um, this nature of controlling and whether that was really, really going to make a difference in terms of how his recovery process went. So mm-hmm. there again, the power of the group is wonderful, and uh, and it's absolutely true that her trying to control what what and everything that he does in recovery 
would in fact be the ticket to a wonderful life ahead. Yeah. Um, it's not quite that simple. Well, there's a lot of couples dynamics to that. Uh, and what is most helpful to the husband is for him to be motivated to, you know, control his own program and uh, not to be externally focused on what uh, the wife is going to say or do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, all right. Uh, so moving along. Yes, we have uh, four more to do here. Okay. So. Well, moving along, I, I love to see women get involved in this process because mm-hmm. when we've been really hurt by something, a crisis in our life, adversity of some kind, uh, we have a couple of choices. One is to figure out how to just survive from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people, that's kind of the extent of what they do when things get hard. They get through it somehow, some way for a few months or mm-hmm. get distracted by other things in life and eventually move on. Um, But I think for a woman who's willing to start examining her own life and her own patterns and how she shows up in a relationship and what she does when she gets hurt and can begin to learn a lot about who she is as a person. And the recovery process becomes way more than what do I need to watch for to see that my husband's getting well and what do I need to worry about and, you know, when will the other shoe drop? Those are definitely things we think about and talk a lot about on the beginning part of the journey, but when we have someone who's invested in learning from the journey, we have a wife who's willing to look at way more than that. And these are the things that are going to help her be a different and better and whole person. And uh, what I see consistently with women who are here for a while, year, two, sometimes Mm -hmm. three, is that they begin to hit those places where they really start looking at who they are at a very deep level. Mm -hmm. So. It's a very rich part of the yeah. journey, actually, for women who will stay in it and progress to this yeah. this level of learning for themselves. It's about their own individual mm-hmm. healing. Right. So I also talk about how, you know, it might be important to think about adding couples counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I believe in the three equal pieces of this right. journey. One, his, for sure, which is about him and finding mm-hmm. sobriety and his own community and support and healing Mm -hmm. hers in the same way, and then uh, a we piece for the marriage. Mm -hmm. And we think all three of those are important. So, you know, for a wife who only ever does her individual work um, but isn't willing to engage in the couple's piece, Mm -hmm. I still think there's a part of her journey that is missed because Mm -hmm. we need to take what we're learning individually and then bring it to the game, so to speak. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit like I like in learning tennis. You know, I can practice, practice, practice with my coach and feel like I'm doing great, but if I get into the game, I could fail miserably Mm because that's a whole different scenario. So uh, couples counseling when she's ready is uh, an important piece to bring what she's learning and practice it in the coupleship with help. Right. So uh, that's what we do kind of... This afternoon after we finish the show, we've got two couples that we're working with. And uh, we do enjoy doing that because uh, the potential for uh, relationships moving into a more uh, spiritually and emotionally intimate place is quite good. Mm-hmm. So, The next one is um, really one of my greatest heart's desires to talk about finding purpose in the pain. Yeah. Um, in the clinical world, we call that post-traumatic growth. Mm-hmm. And in the biblical world, we can liken it to any number of scripture verses. Mm-hmm. James 1-2 is one of my favorite about taking our trials, you know, considering them joyful, which I know is a little bit hard, um, but mm-hmm. looking for how our trials in life lead us to um, finish the things that are unfinished about ourselves. This is definitely a spiritual journey. I know that, mm-hmm. even though it may be labeled as a sex addiction on the front end, 
It mm. is um, it is everything about being uh, a new person in terms of our spiritual growth. Right. So finding purpose in the pain can take a while. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. We don't want to rush to that place of saying, oh, I know, you know, God has much bigger things in your life, and surely you'll be able to use the story of yours in some magnificent way. When a wife is told that in the first week or month of recovery, you know, you just kind of yeah. want to do something horrible. But um, at any <laughs> rate, I think it is important for any of us working with wives to not keep them traumatized by mm -hmm. what's been very hard here and is, in fact, very painful. Mm -hmm. But for them to know that with help and with the right resources, there is every belief that this could be about something very transformational in their life. Mm -hmm. My own research has led me to know that for sure with the hundreds of wives that participated in my study that um, the majority of them found this post-traumatic growth, or just as Paul was saying uh, and James were saying in some of the scripture verses I love, is that we, we do grow in character. We become stronger individually. We can, we can create richer relationships in our life. Our spiritual life grows. Our priorities change in life. Mm -hmm. And those are wonderful things that can come out of something very difficult. So right. I always want to, in an appropriate and timely way, allow a woman to hear that, that kind of hope that I have for her when she joins in the journey. Well, that there will be uh, a richer personal, spiritual, emotional, relational life uh, if they stay, you know, in this journey. And, mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. I, I was thinking as you were talking about this, because I know this is one of your you know, main passions and that we could probably easily do uh, a whole show just on this one particular point. But you talked uh, uh, there at the end of that point about what is really the final point uh, uh, about hope. So, uh, Yeah, for today at least, um, one of my final points about what women need is sometimes someone to hold hope for her. Right. Um, because it's hard to introduce all of these ideas and the support she might need. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's all you can do to get from one day to the next, usually when you've been hit with a lot of new information. Mm -hmm. um, but I remind them, too, there are those of us who can hold hope for them. Mm -hmm. And I do like holding hope for women because I truly have it for them. Mm -hmm. I know that life won't always look this hard and mm -hmm. feel this hopeless. And so... Um, I think it's important for someone to be there for her to hold that hope. And uh, if that's in the community of women she's finding or in the therapist she goes to or, or both, yeah. or both yeah. um, that's one of the great things we can offer on the front end. Well, I think one of the uh, great things that God has led us into in our ministry is that uh, your groups are led by yourself and uh, other wives that have uh, lived this journey and found the hope and and come out the other end, and uh, uh, our our couple's workshop and your wife's workshop is led uh, pretty much exclusively by women who have been on this journey and uh, uh, can hold the hope or represent the hope. Or it you know it gives you a kind of a an instant credibility with the women to know that you're not just some therapist coming after this. You're you know uh, you're a wife who has uh, uh, done her own work really. Well. Thanks for saying that, and I, I think that is true, that, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's helpful to know that someone gets it yeah. uh, really at a very deep level and, and is also thriving. I think that becomes very important mm -hmm. to other women that, um, you know, myself and the other leaders 
we're not just surviving something mm-hmm. hard and making do and we still have all of these war scars, so to speak, but that actually we're thriving women. And and we admit that we wouldn't be who we are today doing what we did had we not gone through this. Right. And so while we don't have to be jumping through hoops saying, I'm so grateful my husband had an addiction, right. it could be a both and, as we say. You mm-hmm. know, something very hard came into our lives. We were able to have wonderful resources that helped us heal and become whole and really transform who we are as women, Mm -hmm. and that it's been a very good thing. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it hasn't been distressful and that we haven't had a lot of hard days. Um, And, you know, the Lord has blessed us with the journey Mm -hmm. of the trial. Right. I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blessed us with the journey of the trial. There's a book title there someplace. There (laughs) certainly is, and and the Men of Valor program has been blessed today. Mm -hmm. Your your uh, your participation. Yes, there's a there's a huge round of applause if you listen closely enough. That is uh, being sent to our studio. Our studio audience. That's exactly right. Uh, Wow, what what wonderful uh, advice and direction, Deb. Uh, We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we think that uh, this particular program is going to really. Uh, send a strong, empowering, hopeful message to uh, the wives that that we are lucky enough to have listening to our show. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. We thank Aaron Wellman for his great work as our technical director and engineer. And we hope that uh, this show today has been of great benefit to you in your relationship and in your healing journey. We hope that this week will be filled with many blessings and great vision.